Patrick, you ready? Yeah, man. All right, let's let's fucking do this. Welcome to Cereal Bowls. This is a little bit of a weird spot for us, Patrick. This is our first off season together as a podcast. How are you feeling about that? Feeling just like every other day, baby. Yeah. Grind set in full mode right now. That's right. Uh, we're grinding to bring you the content. We're going to take this thing to the fucking moon. I'm going to remember to record that ad that we have. Um, it's all happening in 2022. And to start off the offseason, we have our friend and former Hampton City College wide receiver, Nick Ullman, joining us. What's up, Nick? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Love the show. Um, I've heard, I've listened to every episode, and y'all are great. It's great content, and I'm just I'm pumped to be the first first honorary guest on the show. So, why don't you give a little uh, introduction to yourself, uh, like football background, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. So, I played football for 17 years officially. You know, organized football for 17 years, uh, starting at age six. Um, flag football for two years, age six and seven, um, then put the big boy pads on at age eight and did not stop until I hit 22. I was fortunate enough to be able to play in college. So I got a bonus four years that a lot of kids, you know, don't, don't necessarily get. Um, so I consider myself lucky, you know, I, uh, I, um, played, you know, in Little League, they stick you out at every position possible until you kind of figure out what you're good at, what you like. So I played pretty much every position you could imagine. Even being a skinny kid, I was, you know, I played a year or two on on the offensive line way back in the day. So, you know, it was, it was a good way to learn the game um, and, and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, and then I got to high school and I started out at the public high school, you know, where I lit, where I grew up in Midlothian, Virginia. And, uh, you know, ended up transferring to a private school my sophomore year. Um, learned it was it was one of the first. I had never heard of it come from public school, but we ran the air raid, and this would have been like 2007 or so. So, like air raid was new. It was called the Tony Franklin system. Um, for those of you who know, you know, really know college football way back in those days, and I'm not talking big time. I'm talking he was. He was at Troy University and, uh-huh. uh, and uh, you know, so he's a big name amongst kind of the, the mid-major level, um, developed this offense. You know, it's basically the air raid. It's the, it's the spread. It's what every team in college now is doing, basically, or at least some sort of, con- you know, some sort of concept of this offense. So me as a, as a 15-year-old, as a sophomore, rising sophomore, transferring in, you know, we got to take a bus down to Troy, Alabama, and every high school in the Southeast that ran this offense, that ran this system was there. And that was a cool thing. That was one of the highlights of my high school career. Um, you know, not even playing in the game, just going down there and meeting all these different kids from all over the Southeast that, you know, run the same offense as us. And some of those kids were, were freaks, man, I'm telling you. And, uh, and I'll tell you one thing, that Troy, Alabama in the month of June is probably the hottest place on the planet. Oh, I'm sure. The deep south, just heat and humidity. Yeah, it was like 125 degrees inside that stadium. <laughs> and running the air raid now? Oh, man. Dude. Oh, dude, it was route after route. And yeah, that's what I learned. How yeah. All right. And then um, you get to high school. Uh, you were a wide receiver. Um, what 
was the recruiting process like for you? Like, I, uh, Hampton City um, is a Division three college, so I know it's like Division one process, but can you walk us through the recruitment? For sure. So, you know, yeah, I was recruited by Hampton Sydney, but uh, Hampton Sydney was very good. They, my senior year, they went 11 and 0, I think it was, or 10 and 0, I guess. It was the first undefeated season they had in a while. So, you know, they had a lot of players on their roster and a lot of recruits, you know, in my, in my class that were getting looked at by schools a lot bigger than Hampton Sydney. So, um, you know, myself included, I was getting looked, I got looked at by a couple, um, you know, Coastal Carolina is probably the biggest one. Um, a couple other Division One schools, uh, you know, played that kind of level were after me. And then shoot, I mean, we had my, our quarterback at Hampton Sydney, y'all remember, Nash Nancy, he was at Tennessee before he transferred to Hampton Sydney. So just about every kid in my recruiting class was getting recruited by Division One schools as well. So, um, you know, the biggest diff difference really there was not much of a difference between getting recruited recruiting you know it's all under the ncaa umbrella so there are certain rules that both uh, division one and division three had had to follow division two as well um obviously now i will say division three is kind of funny because not quite as many eyes looking at division three recruiting like there are yeah. division one so you know they're trying to get the big boys in trouble uh for all this crazy stuff now i'm not saying that division three is going to sit there and throw you buy you a new car or anything like that but uh but uh, just in terms of, you know, just the little stuff, just a little nitpicky stuff that everyone always makes fun of. Like, you know, if you receive a text from an assistant coach or something, you know, outside of the, the certain period where you're allowed to do that, you know, schools will get in trouble for that and get fined for that and all this other stuff. And it's like division, like, you know, I could get a text from, you know, the head recruiting guy at any time of the year. It didn't matter. Yeah. Like no one was tracking that stuff. So, um, yeah, we, uh, but, when, uh, when yeah, I was cross country, uh, Hampton, Sydney, we had to help the coach out at the YMCA and we would take a ride over with him to the, to the gym. He said, now don't tell me when I'm doing this because this is an NCAA violation. <laughs> right. Just ridiculous yeah, I, rules. I, I do remember like um, our sophomore year, I think when Nash Nance transferred um, towards the end of the season, I do remember like, a, someone bought him like a moped to drive around campus <laughs> or something like Oh yeah. That was like the big fucking thing with us. <laughs> well, there was one other thing too, is, uh, you know, I, I've, I never was fortunate enough to ha have this happen to me, but some of the major players on our team who, uh, you know, were scoring touchdowns and everything else, you know, they would, they'd walk, they'd come in from after practice one day in their locker and there'd be an envelope sitting in their locker and they'd pull out, you know, couple hundred dollar bills and their envelope with a little note from an alum saying, you know, great game on Saturday, have a game kind of like this against Randolph Macon. And, and, and there'll be more where this came from basically. Yeah. And Farmville, Virginia, that's high roller status right there. That's high roller status there, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. All you need in Farmville is 20 bucks and you're set. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, a heck of a lot of, a uh, heck of a lot of uh, granny bees right there. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're set. You, get, you go down to Jay's, get yourself a 30 rack of Keystone, go over to Granny B's, you're set. That, that's your weekend. You're king for a day. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, so you get to Hampton, Sydney, uh, and when you first get there uh, as a freshman, you I know you were on the scout team a little bit. Uh, what was that transition from high school to college like, and what was it like being on the scout team as a freshman? Sure. So – you know, I, in high school, I was a pretty good receiver. I had, 
10 touchdowns my senior year. Um, we our, our offense probably put up thir- over 30 points a game my senior year on average, you know, with that air raid and have, had some good athletes, a lot of different positions and a really good quarterback who had been playing the system for three years. So, you know, I, I would think even though our record was only five and five, our offense, you know, was, was probably that of a team that could have gone eight and two, eight and eight, or, you know, nine and one even, and maybe even a playoff if had we had a good defense. So, um, I, you know, I'd like to say, and I was one of the faster kids on the team. Uh, and I was certainly the biggest receiver um, that we had by far. And, um, and, and when I'll tell you, you get to college and you're, you're not the, if you were the fastest and the best player on your high school team, that's who you're playing in college with every single kid on your team standing next to you fighting for the same position. Right. Was the best kid on his high school team was the fastest kid on his high school team, division three, division one, division two, doesn't matter. That's, that's just how it is. You know, even a division three, like I said, the kid next to you is, was the best player on his high school team too. So You've got the ego thing, so you learn real quick that you're not you're not shit basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing you go on the scout team, even so, and and you learn very very fast at that point that uh, <laughs> you're not shit. So um, it's humbling, but it was a great experience. I mean, at Hampton Sydney, we had uh, a top defense in the nation, uh, especially my freshman and sophomore year when I spent on the scout team. Um, so, I mean, my freshman year alone, we had a defensive end who was a first team All-American, led the country in sacks, I believe, that year. Um, we had a linebacker who was on the All-American team. I think he might have been an honorable mention. And then we had a free safety who ended up being my buddy on the scout team, um, <laughs> Bill Duty. He was – I mean, he had tryouts with the Dolphins and, like, the yeah. Buccaneers. He's a Florida kid. Um, and he was every bit the size of an NFL safety. And, you know, me being the uh, – the big receiver that I was, you know, on the scout team, we line up in the huddle with the, with the other, with, you know, whoever our opponents play uh, plays, you know, lining up saying, okay, Nick, this is your guy. You're the big guy. You're going to run the slant route right here. So I'm running a slant route across the middle and, you know, doesn't matter if the, the throws over my head at my feet, right on the money. He's coming in to light my world up every single time he's not going to pay attention for the ball. <laughs> he's just going for, he's just going for my head. Yeah. He's just trying to dislodge it. That sounds um. Yep. That sounds like it fucking sucks. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it it wasn't fun. Those kind of plays were not fun. But I'll tell you one thing. One of the coolest highlights of my college career, which, as you all know, not too many of them, uh, <laughs> was there was a day where we were. I I had a dig route, so I was running a dig route. It was probably a, a ten to twelve kind of speed cut right across the middle, and uh, you know I was open. Quarterback made a good throw. Um, I caught it and kind of my, I was, you know, it took me a while to get going with my speed, but once I was, got up to top speed, I was actually pretty fast. So I turned the corner and of course here he comes with his four, four ass, forty yeah. time, four, three ass, 40 time coming at me. And I ended up cutting really fast and actually shook him a little bit. So then I kind of go back to the left and I'm cutting and we would probably have the ball in our own 10 and 20. And, you know, here he comes. I'm going down the left side now. And here he comes back at rounded back, kind of heading back to me, like trying to make the play. And I kind of did that thing, you know, where you've got a defender who's got his back to you almost. So I'm kind of like almost like I'm chasing him with the ball. And I kind of yeah. go right, go left. And he's trying to figure out which way to go. Yeah. And then I cut left. And then I got to about the five-yard line. And then he was kind of giggling and laughing at that point. And then I stuck my foot back in the ground. And then he slid and fell. And I walked into the end zone. <laughs> and that was one of the coolest things. And he got up and he he hit me on the ass and was like, dude, that was 
that was a fucking sweet play, man. Like, <laughs> congrats. Like, I was trying on that one. I was like, yeah, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> uh, and my team, you know, the offensive scout guys, you know, we hardly ever scored on them, obviously. And, you know, they ended up blowing the blade at the time. But all, all of them were chasing, running down the field, and jumping <laughs> up on me and stuff. Like, it was pretty cool, man. Like, it, you take that beating. And, and those defensive guys, they know they're they're about to beat the shit out of you. But right. they respect you, though, at the same time. They respect you. And that was a pretty cool moment. They, you know, that even the defenders were like, that was, that was sweet, Nick. That was awesome. Like, it felt pretty good. Kind of made it all worth it a little bit. So, yeah. all the concussions and no telling what else I had going on. <laughs> that, but yeah, like, sc- scout team players, like, they're they're there to you know instill the opponent like you said opponents offense and whatnot how they're going to play like a good example is I mean Stetson Georgia's national championship quarterback Stetson Bennett he started off as a scout team player mm-hmm. at uh, Georgia you know he imitated Baker Mayfield when they had to play Oklahoma um, so I mean you know scout teams are pretty in- integral part for a lot of a lot of programs yeah especially yeah, when it is prepare against like because I if I remember correctly was W Nell still running that like crazy triple option. When you when you were there, yeah. So um, you know they'd run that triple option stuff, and and uh, you know so that was obviously hard for us. You know we we do not run at Hampton. We ran spread, you know, kind of similar to that in high school, but a lot of spread, kind of like a lot of different formations. But you know, an option game was not something we ran at Hampton. Sydney. So you know it was crucial for the offensive scout team that week to learn real fast how to do the triple option. And a lot of us obviously did not go to triple option high schools either. Um, right. So the, the quarterbacks who were recruited to throw the ball, Marty's offense were all of a sudden having to be, you know, shifted to quarterback. And I think even one year, we just took one of the receivers uh, who was athletic and quick and put him at quarterback that week for to run the triple option. So, um, you know, I I was I still stayed out wide and kind of blocks. I think they had one wide receiver in their their base uh, formation. So I was kind of that guy. But um, our small receivers kind of stepped into the you know the running back roles and. And all of that, which was an adjustment for them, it was an adjustment for all of us. Uh, yeah, you know, but did, did y'all run like Hampton City sort of ran like air raid style offense too, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, we had we had multiple formations. I mean, we I mean we did have a formation called the Bull that we did in short yard situations, which had three tight ends and two fullbacks and a running back, uh, you know, and, and and all that. But you know, a lot of times we ran five wide, four wide at least. Um, Right. Tight ends had a had a big role, played a big role, but our tight ends were athletic. Our our tight ends could catch the ball. Um, our tight ends were good route runners. They were smart. They all had a lot of option routes. So um, it was a very Marty had a very complex offense, and it was very cool to learn that and and kind of see it all come together on Saturdays because man, we could score some points. Yeah, yeah, I remember because it it went Travis Lane to Nash Nance, and that's. Especially at that at the Division three level, that's a hell of a succession plan right there. Well, even before him was Corey Sedler, and he was, uh, you know, just like Travis basically. I mean, he's bigger, but he was put up the same numbers Travis did. So they, I mean, they went four or five quarterbacks in a row there. I think uh, yeah. that I think top passes in ODAC. I think Hampton he had a quarterback with top pass from the ODAC. I think probably seven or eight years straight, if I had to guess. So yeah, yeah. Where's now? Uh, Coming back, circling back towards you, um, you know, growing into your own, growing up, were you always wanting to be a wide receiver, or did you have like a growth spurt? And you're like, I guess I'm going to be wide receiver. So I'm so damn tall now. <laughs> so uh, it's actually, I remember the exact game that I was watching on TV where I said I want to play wide receiver. I think I was in seventh grade, maybe. Uh, 
and this is a very random game. It wasn't a big game. It was a preseason game, but I had just got back from football practice and I was kind of like, it was that first week in August or second week in August. I guess it was probably mid-August when we started back in Little League um, in middle school. And, and uh, you know, I was kind of in that, that week where you're kind of deciding what position you want to play. And I was starting to get to that age where, like, you've got to pick a position. You can't keep doing this thing like you were doing when you were in elementary school. So uh, I was watching. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were playing, I think, the Cowboys. And they were playing in that, um, that Thursday, that opening uh, game in Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, – I think it was Heinz Ward actually who ran a deep ball down the sidelines and had a sick diving catch. And like one of those, like he barely got his shoulder in bounds, like a 60 yard bomb, 50 yard bomb. Roethlisberger just launched it to him and he made a sick diving catch. And then that moment right there, I was like, I want to play wide receiver. Like, yeah, that was just awesome what he just did. So did any schools offer you like a position switch? Like you, you hear about that, that all the time where guys are like, oh, I played quarterback is, is a popular one. But then they're like, you know, you're not really a, a college quarterback. You're more of a, a running back or wide receiver or times. Um, mm-hmm. Did that – did you get that offer or was it always wide receiver? It was always wide receiver except for one school. And it was that crappy school in Ashland, Virginia mm. with the with the tra- with the uh, freaking – train that ran through their campus no way yep that dude pedro aruza and he did this to a lot of guys that i talked to a lot of guys that went to hampson he was getting recruited by him and they try to do the same thing to them and he said you know you're not i don't think you're much of a wide receiver i think i'm gonna i think you're gonna be a tight end and if you look at me now you'd say that's that's great i can see exactly where it's coming from when i was a senior <laughs> in high school i probably weighed 180 pounds yeah yeah, I was six foot four, probably 180 pounds. I was skinny as a rail, and my high school didn't have the, the best, you know, weightlifting program. And I also was not super serious about weightlifting in high school. I was a three sport athlete, and if it if it came to came between lifting and going to play pickup basketball, I was going to pick, play pickup basketball ten times out of ten, no questions asked. So I was as skinny as a rail, and he said he looked at me in the face and said, "I'm going to switch you to tight end when you get here." I said, "All right, screw you, dude." Yeah, maybe if they had like a, you know, like at Wisconsin, when the linemen get there, they have to redshirt and then they mm-hmm. just put them in the cafeteria and they put like 35, 40 pounds on them. Right. Like maybe that was the plan. I don't yeah, know. I think it was. Uh, not about it. He, yeah. He's seen my film. He knows I couldn't block. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the season is, is over now. Um you know, in this time, like, you know, let's go back, you know, eight, nine years to Hampton Sydney. What is uh, life like for a college football player at, at this time of year when second semester is starting? Yeah, so right now it's uh, lifting, lift, 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 like crazy. Uh, doesn't matter position, you know, that's mandatory. Uh, what we did at Hampton Sydney was we had, uh, you know, you have, you obviously don't have a freshman class in yet because you're, Technically, once the second semester starts, in, in terms of football terms, you're now a sophomore. So you right. just have sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Obviously, the, the seniors are done as mm-hmm. of the fall. Uh, so you've got three time slots to sign up for. You've got like a 5.30 a.m., which is what all the rising sophomores typically get. You've got a 8 a.m. and then a, usually like a 3.30 in the afternoon shift. I was very lucky, and I was one of the few sophomores I was able to get at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> 5 a.m. would have sucked. But um, 
but yeah, and it's an hour and a half, very intense lift. I remember my first day, you know, and I was actually forced to actually lift, whereas I'm like high school when I couldn't go sneak off to play, sneak to the gym and play basketball. <laughs> uh, I was like, I had like a full body cramp and I like laid in the locker room. And I was like, <laughs> somebody's going to have to scoot my ass off the floor and take me back to the dorm because I don't know if I can make it. And it was just like, it was, it was just insane, you know, bench press, power lifting, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you would end with like a 20 minute straight, like ab workout. And that's what killed me the most for the abs. It, yeah. was, it was just nonstop, like just all these crazy different ab workouts that I never even thought was were possible basically. And it was, it was pretty nuts. So, um, so you do that. And then obviously in the wintertime, it's tough, but you know, you got to try and find a way to stay in shape. So, you're yeah. trying to go run out of the field. And, and that was a little bit, that wasn't really mandatory, but you know, you kind of, your teammates would get you and you'd go out to the field and you'd run, you know, wind sprints, you know, cone drills, stuff like that, just to stay in shape. Uh, you know, and I, I, that's one thing I kind of wish I did a little bit more of. I think it would have probably, I wouldn't say it would have prevented my hamstring injury that I got my sophomore year, but I think it probably would have helped if I was in a little bit better running shape. I think, I think I was so, I was just so in the mood to bulk up because I was so skinny Yeah, that I was just focused solely on lifting. I just wanted to lift, 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 get bigger that way and eat, eat, eat. So my, my conditioning kind of got, took a little bit of a back burner um, that semester. And then, uh, but uh, anyway, like you said, you live and you learn, but uh but yeah, a lot of that. And then, uh, you know, film too, you know, the, the, the starters were, you know, knocking on coach Favret or, you know, whatever coaches door in the off season, just wanting to look at film and yeah. learn, learn, learn. And, and that's something that certainly wasn't mandatory. That's certainly something I never even thought to do. And I, I didn't, unfortunately didn't find out until after I was done with football and done with school that kids were going to do that. And I didn't even know. And I'm like, well, if I would have just done that, gone with Holton Walker, and walked with him to the yeah thing. maybe i would have got a little more pt you know what i mean so yeah you know, this is all stuff you just learn you know it's just unfortunate in the moment but yeah now is that kind of learn after the fact if you were at like say you know alabama notre dame whatever is that is film part of spring like mandatory for the team or is that mm-hmm. not allowed since it's off season no it's allowed it's allowed um i guarantee you they do it uh, and it's probably a similar situation. Probably not all the players do it, but mm, the know. ones that want to get better certainly do it. Um, and, and they, they are probably for, I mean, yeah, Notre Dame, Alabama, they probably are forced all year round to go look at film. That's just part of the schedule. Now, when you're at, yeah, when you're at a big school like that, I mean, it's a full-time job. I mean, your, yeah. your entire day has football in it every, at least, you know, some, something with football in the morning, something in the afternoon and something at night with football in it. Yeah. Um, I, I remember Justin Fields said, He's like, Ohio State's campus seems nice. I'd like to see it one day because there's there's the football players. They have their own dorm. You know, you go right to practice. And then, like, at these practice facilities now, I mean, they've got barbershops, places to watch TV, play video games. There's no reason to leave the facility. So you just, like, don't even get the full experience of college, really. No, you don't. You get Saturday night after the game, you get the bar scene, and that's it. (laughs) Other than that. You know, like you said, exactly. You're exactly right. You're, you're, every school now has, has uh, their own dorm living where they've got everything they could possibly need right there. Separate dining. You know, they don't even see the regular kids probably hardly at all. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's literally a full-time job. 
Yeah. Now, do you – is that something you liked about playing at the D3 level is you got to kind of have that more traditional college experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, shoot, I probably wouldn't have met you two, and I probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now. Yeah. Uh, because I would have, like, like you just said, I would have been with the football team the whole time. I would have – we would have lived together and done everything together and never would have really left our little bubble um so to say so i never would have met you guys and it was awesome you know making friends outside of football kind of kept it separate and i like that about hampson me and i like that about division three you know i i wouldn't change it honestly uh, it was cool it was nice having a little bit of a normal college experience on top of being able to play football yeah it's a nice so, balance of both lives for sure i agree yep. yeah i think it's probably just good for your like headspace to be able to like compartmentalize a little bit um, and not just like think about football all the time. And, you know, maybe, um, you know, if things aren't going good on the field. You don't have any escape from that. And so you just get so in your head about that. Right. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Cause I mean, when I, when I tore my hamstring, I mean, that was hard. I mean, I missed a whole year of football. I mean, I was still yeah. going to every practice. I was still rehabbing. So I had that part of it, but it was nice kind of having, having you guys to hang out, keep, take my mind off of it. Yeah. Shoot the shit, play video games, get drunk with you guys. And yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, like you said, that was a, it helped a lot. Yeah. Watch, it's, watch. It's hard. I couldn't imagine. It's cool games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I will say that Hampton Sydney has like their environment for football is like almost on a D one level, like game day wise, where like we have, the, just the tailgate scene and like the one of the like the most beautiful stadiums in D three, I think, just mm-hmm. like that backdrop and everything. Like, it's a really good experience. And this, you know, we'll, uh, we'd go visit the other D three schools and games, and it'd be nothing compared to what we do on Saturdays. Yeah, it's a, a couple of years ago, we were number one in all D three for attendance. I think it had about like eight, nine, ten thousand people, which. Um, is probably more than you're going to see at some like lower level D1 schools. Um, you know, sometimes there's matching games in like mid November when it's 20 degrees outside on a Tuesday. On yeah, yeah not, not a lot of people are showing up. So, yeah, right. Um, I think it is cool to get that experience and like that tailgate scene is really big. And Hampton City, you know, obviously it was fun to go there, but it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, what else are you going to do? So, like, the whole school shows out for the games. And I, I bet, like, as a player, uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, it was so cool. I mean, I mean, you know, I would during warm ups, I'd, I'd peek up over the over the hill and over the stadium, and I'd see, you know, it would look like the Grove down at Ole Miss or something with all the tents and all the bow ties and all the people and all the girls wearing the dresses, and everybody's got a red solo cup in their hand, and like just seeing that, and just it was loud, and you could hear like live music off in the background from like the fraternity circle with, and you just knew like. You're like, this is a big time game. Like every home game felt like that. Every home game yeah. felt like this is a big time environment. Like this feels big time as hell. Like it feels like I'm at a SEC school or something. Like obviously on a way much smaller scale, but um, just and you could smell. You know, you just smell it in the air. You could smell the the smokers off in the background. People smoking, you know, pork shoulders or whatever it was, and just all the food and everything. Like all the people and and it was cool, man. It was cool. Yeah. It was- it was pretty awesome to not have to worry about playing a football game during those. Let me tell you what. <laughs> well, I didn't really either. I just kind of, you know, made sure I looked good and, and didn't drop any passes and warm-ups. And yeah, got got the Nike bands on, all lined up. Oh, uh, you know it. Yeah. Got to get those biceps popping. 
Um, so now that, that you, you are retired um, from football, unless you want to make our first big breaking news announcement that you're heading to the NFL. Um, well, I am on this diet now, so I, I mean, I probably could, could, oh, okay. could uh, make a run at it. So, I mean, if you missed your whole senior year with the hamstring injury, um, you probably have extra eligibility. Um, that does bring us to our first listener question. When this hamstring is fully healed, uh, this is from Josh Dutton. He says, where, where, where are you using that final year of eligibility? Uh, you know, University of Georgia just won a national championship. And, uh, and, and they might be kind of thin at receiver. So that could be, that could be a potential option if, if they'll have me. Um, yeah. uh, Spencer Rattler would be fun to play with, too, at South Carolina. So yeah. that's where my brother went to school. So, uh, you know, I'm a naturally a Gamecock fan. So um, one of those two schools would be pretty good, or uh, even Tennessee. I, I could fit into that new, that new high-powered offense. Yeah, I'm on the message boards right now. Everyone's saying, you know, Florida had a shot at you, but they, you didn't put them in your top three. They're thinking Kirby dropped a bag, so that's why you've got Georgia as the lead dog right now. Uh, things are popping <laughs> off, it looks like. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got, I've got plenty, plenty of good offers. So it's, it's whichever team wants to, uh, wants to s- s- send me the best, the best uh, NIL stuff is where I'll go. Oh, that's, that's smart. You got you to gotta use football. You can't let football use you, as the uh, old saying goes. You got it. Uh, it's business. Yeah. So so now, um, you know, you mentioned those, those SEC schools here. Uh, you're retired on Saturdays when you're watching the games. Can you just kind of like maybe like a casual fan just kind of turn your brain off and watch the game um, and just be like, you know, pass go far, guy run fast? Or are you breaking it down, watching from more of a technical level? Yeah, sure. So it really depends on the mood that I'm in. If I'm with some friends and I'm throwing back beers and more focused on, not really just focused on other stuff, but like, you know, I'm making some food and just throwing back some beers and I'm getting distracted by other people yeah. in the room, you know, I'm just casually watching. I'm, I'm just watching the ball. But, you know, sometimes if it's just me by myself or me and like one other person who also played football or whatever, you know, I'll sit there and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do it. You know, it, it, it's kind of makes a fun game out of it, really. Um, you know, me being a receiver, I really look at the corners, cornerbacks because um, their pre-snap alignment will tell you a lot. Um, if they, you know, for instance, if, if their eyes are on you as a receiver, then they're playing man. Uh, if they're up in your face, they're probably playing man or cover two where they're, they've got the flat. Um, if they're kind of off, off you six to 10 to 15 yards and their eyes are in at the quarterback, then you know they're probably playing cover three and, or zone of some sort. So the cornerbacks will tell you a lot. And, um, now you watch some of the some of the really good defenses out there though and they disguise it so you know the the corner might be staring at the receiver pre-snap trying to fool that quarterback thinking okay they're in man then all of a sudden ball snaps he's flying back and he's putting his eyes in the quarter quarterback and all of a sudden he's he's you know playing cover three so um, it's kind of a mind game they're you know sometimes they try to trick the quarterback sometimes they you know that they actually will show you what they're going to do pre-snap so um It kind of makes a fun game if you can guess what coverage it is. It's kind of fun. Um, you know, sometimes it is tough with the safeties because sometimes, you know, the, the TV will, will zoom in a little too much to where you can't see where the safeties are. So yeah. You're kind of sitting there pre-snap trying to count how many players you can see on the screen to know, okay, are there two safeties back there or just one? And then by the time you do all that, they'll snap the ball. So that's kind of over. So it's kind of hard, but, um, it, it you know, sometimes it can it can be done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. So, um 
when you like watch these games like that, are there um, like as a former receiver, as a former player, um, what would be the defense where you would see the corner look at you or whatever you see the pre-snap alignment and you're like, fuck, I don't want to go against this. Yeah. So I love man, man, uh, especially, you know, playing high school and playing division three. Uh, I was always bigger than the corner. Yeah. So if I, if I had a guy up in my face, you know, I've been co- I, I was coached well enough to to be able to get off the line. A lot of times they like to be physical, um, and you can be physical back. But a lot of it is just jab, jab right, take your left hand and slap his arms when he's trying to get into your chest really hard, and knock him off of you. And then now he's behind you. And yeah. I know I wasn't the fastest guy in the world in college, but the quarterback, my quarterback, usually knew that, so he would throw it high and me I'd be I'd already have him by three four inches and I could jump pretty high so you know he'd throw it up and that was my favorite route in football was mossing uh mossing <laughs> on a fade uh so that that was pretty cool you know the, the coverage I did not like at all usually was the cover two when the corners rolled up and then you've got a safety kind of cheating over to your side because you knew that one you're either about to get double teamed ran into that a little bit in high school yeah. um or two, you know, the routes are kind of harder, you know, if you're trying to run like a deep, because I was a deep, I was a deep pass route guy. I wasn't, you know, I could do a slant and that was fine. But, you know, my favorite routes were go routes, post routes, corner routes, you know, the, the, the routes that were 15 plus yards downfield were, were my favorite routes. So cover two kind of eliminates that when you've got two high safeties, um, it kind of makes it hard to go over the top. So right. um, when I saw that, there was, you know, one my worst game in high school was one one uh, team did that, and I was kind of thinking to myself after that game, I'm like, shoot, I hope these high school other high school guys left on our schedule don't see that and switch to a car, you know two high safeties because if they do, I'm not I'm not going to do shit the rest of the year. Yeah. Luckily, they were all dumber than me, and they never switched to that defense because <laughs> I would have been screwed if they did. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was kind of the one defense that always gave me gave me trouble. That's cool. Yeah, I, I do wish, like to your point about the uh, the camera and stuff. I do wish um, you could see that because, like that, like hand fighting down at the line of scrimmage between the corner and the wide receiver is like so key to so many offenses, especially in college. Like they're all like air raid or West Coast, like that quick passing game. Like if you, if, like whoever's winning the, those battles, because it's such a timing thing. That makes such a big difference, but like on TV, you can you know it zooms into the quarterback dropping back, so you can't see what's happening at like at all. Right, right. I think it would be cool if if they started, or at least like, you know, like in the national championship, I guess they had the the game cast where you could watch it from like the sky cam view. Yeah, um, I didn't watch. That. I kind of wish I did. I I just didn't really think think about doing that. But I think if a lot more games can kind of get that kind of. Uh, way to watch a football game, kind of getting that, that sky cam view or like the view behind the yeah. quarterback, that would be pretty cool for trying to kind of like if for real football nerds like us that want to like try and see what the quarterback seeing pre-snap and yeah. seeing kind of what's going on in the, in, the, in the secondary is that would be pretty cool if more games started doing that, I think. They have like, they had like an old 22 uh, camera too, um, where it's like basically what you watch normally, just the commentators and everything, but they take away all that. They take away all of like the – um, graphics and everything, so you can. It's it's for people who break down plays professionally and whatnot, just mm-hmm. for them to like go back and clip it easily. 
Yeah. That's always a, like a, a good way to watch as well. Yeah, I think that it's probably at this point, it's probably still accessible on like ESPN Plus or something. Maybe I got to, you know, get you know, the role of Copenhagen and, and get get on my film room swag. <laughs> we should do that. The three of us should get together with yeah. a case of beer and some, and some Copenhagen and, and really uh, get after it. There you go. I, I like that. That's some good. That's some good video content right there um, for our five hundred dollar a month bonus tier we're about to launch. Uh, Heck yeah, yeah. Um, so a, as you kind of watch these games from a technical standpoint, um, has there been any receiver in the past like year or two that, as a former like you know a pros pro, like you see him and you're just like that guy is like so technical. He's so. Um, he just like plays the position very well. Uh, so any any wide receiver that's played at Alabama in the last ten years under Nick Saban, in the last, yeah. I say last ten years because these receivers he's had the last ten years with this kind of new powered offense that he has, where they actually throw the ball. You know, it, it's just unreal watching those guys. No, no, but I mean, in, in particular, uh, Jerry Judy is who first yeah. came to mind when you sent me the script because Jerry Judy was in the same receiving room as Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell, uh, Henry Ruggs III. And uh, Devontae Smith caught everything, everything that went his way he was catching. Uh, Henry Ruggs and, and Jalen Waddell ran sub 4 340s and were the fastest thing you could ever see. So you would ever imagine. So Jerry Judy was probably not – he was very fast, but he probably wasn't quite as fast as those other two. Mm. Um, and he probably, he has really good hands, but he probably didn't have the ball skills when the ball's in the air that Devontae Smith had. So he's got to find a way to get on the field. He's got to find a way to make an impact. He's got to find a way to make it to the NFL. Cause I'm sure that's been his long time goal his whole life. So right. he was like, I'm going to be a, the best route runner college football has ever seen. And I think he wins that award. I mean, if you go back and look at his highlights, and sometimes they'll have like a full video of him from start to finish, mm-hmm. um, part of his highlights, like that dude could make anybody fall, any corner fall, any nickel corner fall. And whether he's doing a, a stop route, a curl route, a, a dig route, a slant route, he was just so crisp with his routes and he timed it up perfectly. He never got caught jammed up inside. He was always getting off the line at the snap of a finger to not mess up the, the uh, tempo with quarterback and the timing. He never got jammed. He was just so crisp with his routes. Like I said, his corner routes were unbelievable. And and every time you saw him catch a touchdown, he there was not a, a defender within five yards of him. Yeah. And that's because five, 10 yards of him because his routes were so good. He made, he kept, he left the defender holding their job strap, you know, back in the middle of the field. And he's sitting there in the end zone. So it was unreal. Yeah, I just typed in Jerry Judy on like YouTube, and like the first hit you get is Jerry Judy route running, and like the first five videos are just like highlights of highlighting his route running and like doing other stuff and technique stuff. That I mean, this is kind of off topic here. That wide receiver room is insane. Are you kidding me? Oh, oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, maybe there's a reason no Alabama quarterback is any good in the NFL because they don't have all four of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Uh, and, and Nick, uh, we, of course, before we get to the listener questions, um, we of course cannot let you get out of here without a choice 
uh, Marty story. All right. All right. Let me try and think of one here. All right. Uh, While he thinks of Vamp, Marty Favreit is the head coach of Hampton City. Um, and it's been a bit of an in-joke for, for our friend group. And um, I imagine all Hampton City football players about his kind of legendary tirades, um, you know, when, when players aren't executing on the field uh, or at practice or something like that. Yep. Uh, dude, we could have a whole episode on just Marty's story. Honestly. And we will. Don't worry. And we, we might as well. Uh, I think the listeners deserve that. The listeners need to know Marty Favret and, 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 uh, and uh, we should definitely do that. But uh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. I'm also trying to think of one that'd be somewhat appropriate that doesn't get me in trouble if any of my old teammates or anybody. But um, there was one where uh, <laughs> we were uh, running. I think it was a Thursday practice. So it was uh, our Thursday practices before, during the, during the uh, game week uh, was, was called Shell. So we, we wore our shorts, but we wore shoulder pads and helmet. So it was kind of like a little bit of a thud practice. You weren't full on tackling to the ground. So it's kind of a more of a mental practice, mental driven practice. Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget, we had a tight end named Mike Goad and he transferred in from university of Richmond and, you know, he was really good, big, you know, I knew him in high school a little bit, um, uh, you know, big, good, you know, good route runner, good blocker, really good football, heck of a football player. And I'll, I'll never forget. He, we were running some play. I don't remember, his assignment, but he was mentally was on a different play than the rest of the offense. And Marty just blows the whistle, middle of the play. The play's not even over yet. Middle of the play, blows the play dead. No penalty or anything because Mike Goad ran, I guess, the wrong route or did the wrong assignment. And he slams his clipboard to the ground and just yells for the entire team to basically to hear, how the fuck did you get into Richmond? Tell me, <laughs> how the fuck did you get into Richmond? <laughs> And he's just walking back with his head down. He's like, seriously, tell me, how did you get into Richmond? And yeah, I, I had to turn my head the other way because I didn't want anyone to see me smile. I mean, everybody else was probably laughing the same way, but I wasn't about to have Coach Fabret in this tirade see me smirking and smiling. So, man, those were some funny, funny times. Did he, did he ever get after you like that or, or nothing? He quite? did a couple times. He, he never – he never got real personal like that with me, uh, yeah. which is nice, but I've definitely gotten, you know, what the fuck are you thinking? What, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to get on the field like that doing this and, and all this other stuff? I think it was one time we were sitting in film and uh, it was uh, the Monday film after a game and we beat Averett 70 or nothing or something like that. So I got some playing time towards the end. I think it was my sophomore year. And, uh, I missed the block. I w- it was a – ran it up the middle because we were just burning clock at that point. It was the fourth quarter. And I was running to, to try and block the safety. And I kind of – I kind of let up early. I thought the play was going to be – you know, was, was supposed to be over because I kind of saw the safeties. I kind of was looking at the safety's eyes trying to see what he was doing. He was kind of slowing down. So I was like, okay, this play's about to be over. I'm going to kind of let up. Well, the next thing you know is the running back runs up off my hip and the safety makes a tackle. Yeah. Like, shit. Shit, I was like, whatever, we're upside down, nothing's not a big deal. So we're sitting in the film room, and I felt like, what's that guy on Instagram that kind of came out that makes all the funny, uh, oh, funny Instagrams? Uh, Coach 30 or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forget his name, but it, I forgot, it was kind of like that. That's why I, I appreciate those videos so much, because we had a lot of moments like that. But 
we were sitting there in film on Monday and he goes, he just, he did the thing where he just, he just reversed it and then fast forward <laughs> and reversed it. And fast forward, me just missing the block, me just letting up and then the, the safety tackle and the running back, back and forth. And he goes, you know, he didn't call my name, but he goes, you know, it's late in the fourth quarter, you know, you're third or fourth on the depth chart, you know, I would expect a little more effort in situations like this. You're, you're, you're finally on the field. You're getting on the field. And then this is what, this is what I'm seeing. And that was just so deflating for me. I just put my head down. It was just like, yeah. Oh my God, he's so right. I mean, I played maybe four or five plays and yeah, we were upset enough and it was in the end of the game, but it was like, I'm like, what am I doing? You know? And, uh, just like, why not block the guy, you know, whether the play's over or not, I need to, yeah. he was right. I mean, he had no, he had no, he was not in the wrong at all by doing that. I, I 100% needed a kick in the ass. Like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. You got five plays, make the most of them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, but I, you know, I love coach Brad, right? He was a great coach. You know, the, the, I had a, you know, the one catch I had my senior year, you know, where I averaged the most yards per catch on the team because of that catch. No, um, flex on him, son. Yeah, I got a flex on him, you know. Uh, yeah. One catch, 20, 23 yards. But, uh, no, but it was cool because it was right in front of our bench. And it was – we were up in Connecticut playing the Coast Guard Academy. And we didn't have a whole lot of fans there or anything like that. So, it was kind of just us as a team. And, you know, I made the catch in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we were already up big. And, you know, he was right there. And he was the first one. He kind of ran on the field and, and congratulated me and gave me a high five. And that was – in the moment, I was like – God, Coach, you're making me look feel like a big scrub. Like, what, what a joke, like, coming on the field and high-fiving me because I made a catch in the game. But then, like, as I'm reflecting on it, looking back, I'm like, that was a pretty cool thing. You know, he respected the fact that I had stuck it out and played all four years with the, with the hamstring injury and everything like that and still wanted to be a part of it and still went to practice every day and tried and worked my ass off. And that was a cool moment for him to come out and, and do that, you know. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure, especially, like, at, at the D3 level, um, you get to that because obviously most of the, the guys you, you play with don't even have a chance at the NFL, like, you know, much less they're going to get drafted. So I, I imagine, and you know, your, your life isn't football. It would kind of, it would be easy to kind of quit and, and, and not go through it all, but, um, you know, props to you for sticking it out. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I did, you know, I, it certainly crossed my mind a few times, especially going through the hamstring thing and, and all that. And, and looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm so glad I stuck it out. You know, we beat Randolph-Macon for the ODAC championship my senior year, and that was an awesome moment, um, yeah. as you know. And, and we made a run in the playoffs. That was the farthest any, any team's ever gotten in the, the Division Three playoff, national playoffs. So, you know, it was cool being a part of that team and, and all of that. So, you know, like I said, I'm so glad I stuck it out and, and did it. it wouldn't change anything yeah plus plus you the nice thing about playing a fall sport and i can speak to this as well is you get your whole second semester senior year to go hog wild you don't have practice oh, yeah. anything <laughs> oh and i did yeah yeah, yeah. you did too yeah we uh we certainly made it count um you know i i i got addicted to cigarettes for a while because i was done running you know it's just fun time <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> life, baby. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Patrick, do you have any more questions for Nick? Uh, unreal, I guess kind of um, on a different note, just thinking about this past season, we're talking about players and whatnot. Were there any particular uh, highlights from this past season that stuck out to you from all the teams that played in, like, particular game or play or whatever? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously fresh in my head, that national championship game was awesome. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people were all mad that it was two SEC teams. I know only only a certain little part of the region is going to watch. Only people that live in Alabama and Georgia are going to watch and all this other stuff. And it's like, get the hell out of here. But that was a – those were the two best teams, and that was a hell of a game. And I was I was pumped to see Georgia pull it out. Um, you know, yeah. I can't, as much talent as that team has had over the last couple decades, you know, all those teams, it, it's amazing that they haven't won a national championship since in 40 years. So it was cool to see them get over that hurdle, you know, as, as much as I don't like Georgia because they play, you know, against my, you know, South Carolina, um, you know, it was cool to see it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and just, yeah, all the, I mean, this was a sweet seat. I mean, it was kind of like 2007. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff that happened. And it wasn't, like, even, I, I think, um, it, you know, if I can criticize a large portion of college football fans, um, they are too focused on the end. And, mm-hmm. The, like you said, there were two SEC teams in the championship. And, like, if that's all you're going to care about at the end of the day and, like, that's, like, how you grade a season, like, you're just not going to enjoy yourselves um, at all. Like, this season just had so much, like, week to week. Um, and, you know, things that seemed important at the time weren't, but, like, that doesn't – like, Notre Dame beat Florida State in overtime, you know. And everyone was like, damn, you know, Florida State is back. Um, you know, they, they took a top 10 team to overtime, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then two weeks later, they lost to an FCS team. But mm-hmm. that didn't change how good that game was, you know. Yeah. Uh, didn't change the moment either. Yeah. And, like, uh, the Rose Bowl, perfect example. Ohio State, yeah, obviously, anytime they don't win a national championship, it's a disappointment for them. Um, and, you know, they had a bunch of guys opt out and – people were like, are they going to be motivated here? And they treated us to one of the, you know, three or four best games of the season against Utah. And Jackson Pitt and Jigba got to go down and, like, people are going to remember him forever because of that game. Um, and you just have to find the joy in that or, like, you're just – they. I just feel like you just don't really like football, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so Very that, well said. That's what I try to do. Um, because you know, I, I'm sick of Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson too. We all are to some degree, but I just try to remind myself that that's not why I watch football necessarily. And this year was a really good reminder of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. You, well, and it makes it fun when they get knocked out, like, yeah, yeah, watching Ohio that, State lose to Michigan. That was that brought so, me so much joy. Yeah, and finally, we've got a new team that's going to be in the in the playoff now. Yeah, that was, yeah, and that was, even if, um, you know, Michigan had been nine and three or whatever, and that game wasn't to do anything, just them winning that game, you know, for that program and stuff was so awesome. And then you wrap in the, they knock Ohio State out, they win the Big Ten, they get to go to the playoff, like all in, and that was, that was a great, great day. And then Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma that night, is very similar situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was that was a uh, very very fun to watch. I mean, there's a lot of things that you know, looking a lot of teams that kind of stepped up. That I mean, you know, Michigan wasn't even at the beginning of the season; they weren't even ranked. They, I, everyone thought huge, that Jim Harbaugh was getting fired mid-season. Several year for them, they lost so much, but yeah, they, and that's what's great about football. Like we got that season. I and, mean, on, on you know, going back to you, Nick, with South Carolina, like. 
I know, like, Ned and I, our preseason, we kind of were, like, joking on South Carolina because they hired Shane Beamer. Like, what the hell's going on here, you know? And it was, a lot of people thought that they were going to be, like, the team, you know, not as bad as Vanderbilt, but be down there with them. But, I mean, they made a bowl game. They beat the hell out of, you know, a pretty okay, good UNC squad. And they have, like, things to look forward to going in the future because Spencer Rattler just transferred and that's a former five-star quarterback. And there's a lot of things looking there good positively. Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't think I forgot about about you both ragging on Gamecocks <laughs> early early on in the season. I think that was maybe the meanest we were all off season. We just I, for some reason we both had the uh, inkling just to be like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out the knife for one team, and it just both of us picked <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> that's what it felt like. But I'm glad you did it because now look, I mean, maybe that's what maybe the maybe you gave it the vibe that like they're gonna prove you wrong. So yeah, maybe that's she- why it's turning around. Shane Beamer is a listener, and we motivate him. He told me that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Maybe he'll maybe he'll bring me on as a wide receiver coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have the connection. You know, he's. <laughs> I mean, and then it, that's a good place to be a graduate assistant at. So you could be like Zeb Noland, start as a coach, and then two weeks later you're under center uh, for the week one game. So I, I do have that year of eligibility. So yeah, it, it makes it makes sense. I I, I see the path. Um, Nick, thank you for joining us. This has uh, been awesome. I think this is um, already an elite episode. Um, but before we let you go, um, you know, we kind of kept it pretty serious. And then I, so I asked for some listener questions. Um, and then, boy, did I get some. Um, <laughs> uh, we had a few from your friend, Zach Rowland. He wanted to know about the best practice mossing moment. We did kind of cover that. Lots of questions about if the hamstring wasn't banged up, how many NFL contracts would you have signed by now? Um, that, that sort of stuff. But I think my favorite comes from your brother, Craig. And he asked, how much weight did you put on after shredding your hamstring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that got me That got me to tie in weight right there. I think oh, yeah. <laughs> that's not the route I would have taken to get there. But uh, Pedro Aruzo at Randolph Mayhem would have been pumped about that. Uh, yeah, he he was- probably would have kicking the door down at Sagebrook and saying, get in here. <laughs> That's right. Here's my tight end finally. He's about, he just put on about 40 pounds in a year. No, <laughs> no I think I probably put on, I mean, I gradually, I, I, I probably gained about 10 pounds every year, you know, between weightlifting and, and, the, and that stuff. So, you know, I was, I was probably about, you know, 180, 185 going in. So by the time I tore my hamstring up into sophomore year, I was probably 190, 195. And then I think my senior year, I was about two, 210. So, yeah, I put on about 15 pounds uh, that year, as and, pr- and probably not the good 15 pounds. It was a little bit more of the the well, beer and uh, and uh, those uh, those fried chicken differently. Yeah, yeah. exactly oh, yeah. right. So, so yeah, I lost a step at that point. It would have been would have been nice to have my uh, my pre hamstring speed, you know, mixed with that 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 weight and body type for my senior year. I probably would have uh, had you know. Probably could have had a couple more catches in there, but uh, but then then you would have led the team in yards per catch. You're right. They could have thrown me a couple of slant routes, and then I would have kept crushed my average. You're right. Yeah, I mean some things are some things are bigger than 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 just total catches, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, Nick. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see everyone um, next week, maybe a week after, with hopefully another interview. Uh, Nick, uh, will you be coming back? 
I am back whenever I get the invite. This has been awesome. I've enjoyed this. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, Nick. All right. Nick was- yep. Appreciate it, guys. Nick, you don't have to you don't have to hang up, but the, the show okay. is up for now. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> nice.